Welcome to this episode of the Greenville Oaks Message Broadcast. The mission of the Greenville Oaks Church is to inspire people to follow Jesus, because we're convinced that following Jesus is the best way of life possible. Find out more about Greenville Oaks at greenvilleoaks.org and connect with us on social media. We would love it if you could rate and review our podcast. It makes it easier for others to find us. And now, on to this week's message with Lead Minister Wade Hodges. So please turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 11. We'll be in the Gospel of Luke chapter 11 for just a minute, and then we are very quickly going to transition over to Matthew chapter 6. But in Luke 11 verse 1, Jesus' disciples say to him, Lord, would you please teach us to pray? It was customary for rabbis to teach their disciples a way of prayer, specific prayers to that rabbi or to that rabbinical community, set the rabbi and his disciples apart from other groups. And so the Pharisees had a a specific way of praying where you might hear someone pray, say, oh, I know which rabbi you were trained by. John the Baptist apparently taught his disciples a specific way to pray. And Jesus' disciples knew that, and some of them had been John's disciples before following Jesus. And so they said, we want you to do the same with us. Teach us to pray in your way. And Jesus responds to their request by giving them what has now become known as the Lord's Prayer. There's a version of it in Luke 11, which you can see there in front of you. There's also a version a little longer in Matthew chapter 6. And because Matthew 6 is more familiar with us, we're going to jump over and I'm going to work out of Matthew 6 today. Today, I'm making the case that this is the perfect prayer. You really can't improve upon it. It's perfect, not just because Jesus teaches it and he's our Lord, but also because of how it shapes us and forms us and trains us as Jesus's disciples. So let's get into it. He begins by saying, here's how you open your prayer. Here's how you start your prayer. I want you to say, our Father in heaven, or Abba. It's the Aramaic word behind the Greek word for Father. Jesus says, pray Abba in heaven. He was not the first one to describe God as an Abba in heaven. The Jewish people understood God in terms of being their father, but typically in their prayers, they addressed God in more formal ways. But Jesus elevates this idea that God is our Abba in heaven in prayer so that it becomes prominent. And of course, he would do this because he was the son of God. And he enjoyed a special kind of intimacy with his Abba in heaven. Of course, that's how he would pray. The surprising bit about this opening line to this prayer is, though, that Jesus says, I want you to pray and address God the same way I do. He is my Abba in heaven, but he's also your Abba in heaven. And you can approach him with the same kind of intimacy, the same kind of connection father to child, parent to child that I do. So I want you to say, Abba, in heaven. That's how you open this prayer. And then after he gives you the opening line, he then lays out the prayer. 
And it comes to us in two sections. The first section, we could group together and call them you petitions. These are requests to and about God, addressed to God, praying to God about God. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, Jesus says. May God's name be honored. May it be known. May it be recognized. Your kingdom come. May God's reign and rule be supreme and may it be present and evident in the world. Your will be done. May things happen in the world exactly as our Abba in heaven wants them to happen. And all three of these you requests, they really are all essentially saying the same thing. You can't have one be true without the others being true. When God's name is known and honored and revered and hallowed, then God's kingdom is coming into the world. And when God's kingdom is fully present in the world, then God's will is done in every way and every place. And you can reverse the order. When God's will is done, God's kingdom has come. When God's kingdom comes, then his name is known and honored. And then Jesus says, I want you to pray all of these things. I want you to close it with this phrase, on earth as it is in heaven. You're praying for something to happen on earth as it's already happening in heaven, in God's realm. In God's realm, God's name is already hallowed. In God's realm, God's kingdom has already come. He's already ruling as king. In God's realm, God's will is done perfectly. So pray that as things are in heaven, so they will be on earth. The focus of this prayer the focus of Jesus' ministry, the focus of the gospel, our focus as Christ followers living the Christ life is not to try and get more people on earth into heaven. It's to get more of heaven down here to earth and into people on earth as it is in heaven, may it be. And then the second section of the prayer it's comprised of what we could call we or our petitions. Now we're praying about our community. We're praying about our stuff. Jesus says, when you pray, pray, give us today our daily bread. Give us what we need to survive every day. It's a declaration of dependence. We need bread from God. It's also an echo of the Exodus story where God, remember, gave daily manna or daily bread to the Israelites as they wandered through the wilderness, and that's how God helped sustain them. Give us our bread. But also forgive us our debts or our sins as we forgive our debtors or those who sin against us. Jesus makes a connection between receiving forgiveness from God and extending it to others. He drops a footnote in chapter 6, verse 14 and 15, and expands this idea a bit. He says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Now, these two verses need an entire series by themselves, and maybe we'll get to it someday. But notice the connection. Notice what Jesus is inviting us to imagine. Imagine 
if God were to treat you the way you're treating other people? Imagine if God withholds his grace and mercy and forgiveness from you the same way we often withhold it from others who have hurt us. But also imagine what would it be like if we were to treat other people the way God is treating us, that we take the forgiveness we're receiving from God and we're passing it on to others. There's a connection. And then Jesus says, forgive our debts, our sins, and then lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. When our boys were little, I taught them this prayer. We'd pray it at night before they would go to bed. And one night, one of the boys asked me, what does that mean, deliver us from evil? Or some versions say, deliver us from the evil one. And so I told him, here's what it means to say that we need to be rescued or saved or delivered or protected from evil. And one of the boys said, whoa, that's a scary prayer. And I, I don't know if it's scary, but it's real. It's realistic about the nature and the presence and the existence of evil, that there are malevolent, malevolent forces in this world and we need protection because we cannot fight them or defeat them by ourselves. We must be delivered, protected from evil. Jesus does not teach us to pray, Lord, we know there's a lot of trouble. We know there's a lot of temptation. We know there's a lot of evil in the world. And to that we say, bring it on because we are mighty men and women of God. No, 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 no. Jesus says, no, 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 no. You pray that God will protect you. That God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can stand. That you will not be put to the test to the point that you would put God to the test as the Israelites did in the wilderness. But instead... God will take care of you because you cannot fight this battle by yourself. And then, as a closer, and this is not in all versions, but it eventually shows up and becomes a part of church tradition. It's a great flourish, a great way to finish the prayer. The final line is, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. What a prayer. What a prayer. It's perfect. It's perfect in every way as we dedicate our babies and as we pledge to raise them in the Lord. What better activity can we engage in than to teach them the Lord's Prayer? It's perfect. Because it establishes God's priorities in the world and it allows us to align our hearts with what God already wants to do. In his book on prayer, Richard Foster says it this way. He says, in prayer, real prayer, we begin to think God's thoughts after him, to desire the things he desires, to love the things he loves. It is so easy to begin prayer with our own agenda. So easy to begin prayer with our own wish list and get God to endorse it and give us everything we want. But Jesus says, no, you start with God, our Father in heaven, and then you pray for what God wants to do. And that is make earth more like heaven. You pray for God's name. You pray for God's reign. You pray for God's will first. Those are God's priorities. And then... 
then you can present your request, what you really need. You can give that to God as well. But do you notice there are no me requests in the Lord's Prayer? It's never give me mine, give me what I need. It's always we and our. It's a communal prayer. Because I can't pray for what I really need without also remembering what you really need. And I don't get my prayer answered unless God is also answering your prayer because it's our prayer. I don't get my daily bread unless you get your daily bread. I don't get the forgiveness I need unless I'm giving you some forgiveness. This prayer will not let us deny to others what we demand for ourselves. Instead, it establishes what God wants to do in the world. And God wants to bless me, yes. He wants to bless you, yes. He wants to bless us, yes. He also wants to bless them, yes. He wants to bless our neighbors. He even wants to bless our enemies. And this prayer trains us as disciples of Christ to see the big world that needs more heaven and to ask God to bring it. This prayer is perfect because it summarizes the gospel. It tells us just about everything we need to know about living the Christ life. I think it's all in there. We put it up on the screen. Who's God? He's our Abba in heaven. Who are we? We are Abba's dependent children. What is God's plan? To bring more of heaven to earth. How should we treat other people? Well, we treat other people the way God is treating us, or at least the way we want God to treat us. What does everyone need? What does everyone in the world need? Everyone needs daily bread, forgiveness of sins, and deliverance from evil. Every single one of us. And what do you do if you get in trouble? Well, you cry out to your Abba for deliverance, for rescue, for salvation. It's the perfect prayer. And if you're not already praying it every day, I would encourage you to do so. I would invite you to memorize it. You already have bits and pieces of it memorized. How can you not? Memorize it, put it inside of you, let it become a part of you so that you can become a part of that prayer. And as you pray it every day, as you dwell in that prayer every day, do not be surprised if God begins to tell you, show you ways that you can help be an answer to the prayer you're praying. In the mid-20th century, God used Frank Laubach to do a number of important things around the world. And he revealed this insight that helped shape his activity, his approach to the Lord's Prayer. He said, the Lord's Prayer is the most used and least understood People think they're asking for something. They are not. They're offering God something. It's not a prayer to do something we want done. It's more nearly God's prayer to us to help God do what God wants done. God wanted that entire prayer answered before we prayed it. The Lord's prayer is not intercession. The Lord's prayer is enlistment. And as we pray the Lord's Prayer, we will become more aware of ways we can make God's name known. More aware that 
ways we can allow God to reign in us and through us, more ways we can do the will of God. We will become more aware of someone who needs daily bread, and God is going to use us to deliver it to them. We become more aware of those who need to hear sweet words of forgiveness. And we are the conduit of God's forgiveness flowing through us to the lives of others. We become more aware of the battle that we are a part of, that we are called to fight in the way of Christ with self-giving, sacrificial love, following his example. It's not intercession, it's enlistment. God, bring it, but also God, use us to bring it. It's the perfect prayer. Please be standing. And let's read this prayer, pray this prayer out loud together. The way we're going to do this is we're going to slow it down. We're going to pray it line by line. We're going to pause in between each line, maybe to the point of discomfort. Not going to rush through this. And we're going to sit with this prayer and allow this prayer to sit with us. So let's pray this out loud together, one line at a time. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. church said. Amen. Go in peace. Have a great week. Thank you so much for listening to the message from the Greenville Oaks message broadcast. We hope this message enriched your life and can help you inspire others to follow Jesus because we honestly believe following him is the best way of life possible. Be sure to connect with us online on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.